Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett from Chesapeake, Virginia, welcoming you to another broadcast week. Hey, this week we're going to look at a very important subject, and that is, I've entitled the message, Treasures in Cracked Pots, okay? And now the vessel that God uses to do great and mighty things, the vessel is weak. The vessel that God resides in is weak, it's flawed, but what makes us different is that we are devoted to this treasure that resides within us. And I'm not talking about the power within us other than Jesus Christ. The power of forgiveness, the power of faith, uh, the power to do mighty things for the Lord. So today and tomorrow, I will be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But before I go too far, I am happy to announce to all of my fellow Moyakians that the Dunkin' Donuts in Moyak is now open for business. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to you, but I am a Dunkin' Donuts fan, and so I got to stop by and get my Java uh, as we begin our time of broadcasting week. And uh, I'm reminded when I think about Dunkin' Donuts because, you know, Dunkin' Donuts was started in Massachusetts, and that's where I'm from. And there was a guy uh, that sued... Dunkin' Donuts, somewhere up there in Massachusetts, and uh, he went through the drive-thru, got a bagel, and requested real butter instead of butter substitute. Uh, Well, he received butter substitute instead of the real thing, and uh, Eno might think this is a minor case, but it happened at two Dunkin' Donuts. He finally said, enough is enough. And he brought a lawsuit against these two Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, Now, it was settled out of court, but he actually, I I guess, technically won the case because it didn't go to court, but they gave him a cash settlement. You see, he was given a butter substitute when he asked for the real thing on his bagel. His lawyer, Thomas Shapiro, agreed. And he acknowledged that uh, his client's complaint was a minor thing, but uh, they would go ahead with the lawsuit anyway. And sure enough, he won. And one of the franchise's uh, attorneys confirmed that the case has been settled and that the stores have changed their butter-serving protocol. Well, I got thinking about that. There was enough evidence to prove Dunkin' Donuts was wrong. If somebody were to bring you to court and they said, I want to charge you uh, as being guilty of being a follower of Christ, uh, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a follower of Christ? Or would the judge say, "Uh, you are just a Christian substitute. You're not the real thing. Uh, You see, Christians are different. We march to the beat of a different drum. And it's not that we look better. It's not that we are more attractive. It's not that we're stronger physically. It's not that we're even stronger mentally or emotionally or financially. Paul says that God has placed this treasure in clay pots. And we're going to read about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but there's things that make us different as followers of Christ. So I want to answer three questions today and tomorrow. Number one is what makes us devoted Christians or devoted Christians? What makes us more devoted in our faith? And number two, what makes us different? Why are we different than the world? And then number three, why do we keep on keeping on? I know sometimes you feel like throwing up your hands and saying, what is the use of pushing on? But I want you to know there is something that drives within us that determination. So what makes us devoted is we've been forgiven. That's why we're devoted. What makes us different? Our faith is not in ourselves. 
Our faith is in Christ, and what makes us determined? We know what the future is. I'm not talking about the next 10 decades or the next 100 years. I'm talking about 1,000 years from now, 10,000 years from now. I know what the future holds for me, and that is what keeps me driving forward ahead. I know the future, and I know the one who holds the future, and he's the one who holds my hand. Well, let's look at the text today, and then we'll explore these three points deeper, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse number 1. Therefore, well, I had a seminary professor used to always say, whenever you see a therefore, uh, you better find out why it's therefore. And so we know that Paul in this chapter is referring to the previous chapter. He says that God, in his mercy, has given us a new way. We never give up. And so Paul's talking about the ministry that God has given to all believers, and this is based upon God's mercy. God's been gracious to us. He's been merciful to us. He has forgiven us of our sins. And not only has he forgiven us of our sins, but he's given us a new way. Uh, Some translations say a new ministry. And Paul says, we never give up. Verse number two, we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. And so here Paul is saying a mouthful. He says, we've rejected shameful deeds because of what is within us. It's not that we've been able to do this of our own volition or even our own strength. You know, uh, as you think about what we try to do on our own strength, uh, you may find that you will fail miserably. You ever try to lose weight and you can't seem to lose weight? Why? Because it's a determination that you have and you keep failing. But if you have a change from within, then you can make the changes on the outside. Paul says, because of what the Lord has done in giving us his mercy, giving us his forgiveness, he's given us a new ministry. Now we reject shameful deeds. We reject underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anybody. We don't try to distort the word of God. He says, we are telling the truth before God. And if you're really honest, those who know you also know that you tell the truth. Verse number three, if the good news that we preach, that's the gospel, it is hidden from those who are behind a veil. It is hidden only from people who are perishing. So one of the benefits of being a follower of Christ is you're no longer blinded to the gospel. Your eyes have been opened. Paul tells us, who does the blinding? Now, it's not God who blinds us from the truth. It is Satan, who is the God, small letter G, God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. I don't know if you ever find yourself feeling frustrated as you're trying to share the gospel with somebody, and it seems like they don't get it. They just don't get it. And it seems painfully clear to you, but they can't seem to get it. Why don't they get it? Because they've been blinded by the God of this world, Satan they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, Paul says, verse number five, we don't go around preaching ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now here, we kind of swerve into a reason why some people don't understand the gospel, because they're looking 
for a human explanation to a divine reality. And because they have no relationship with this divine reality, they are blinded to the truth of the message. That's why Paul is very clear. He says, I'm not preaching myself. We don't go around preaching ourselves. You know, as I work with inmates, one of the things we're doing as we have begun Celebrate Recovery Inside St. Bride's Correctional Center, about halfway through this course, this program, this 12-step recovery program, we'll be working on testimonies. How do I share my testimony? Well, there's three parts to a testimony. And part number one is, this is my life before Christ. Now, that's an important part of your testimony, but it's not the most important part of the testimony. I've heard testimonies, and maybe you have too, where a guy will spend 45 minutes telling us how bad he is. Well, I don't know about you, uh, but I've heard enough about the badness of people. People are vile. People are wicked. People are sinners. uh, And the more they sin, the more vile, the more wicked their lives become. And so it's almost like they're proud of their old lifestyle. Paul wasn't a pride filled with his old lifestyle. He was somewhat ashamed because he was blinded. So the first part, you've got to face reality that, oh yeah, my life was jacked up from the floor on up. There's no doubt about that. But don't stay there too long, right? Because the hero of the story is not you. That's why Paul says, I'm not preaching myself. I'm preaching Christ crucified, the hope of glory. So part one of your testimony, this is my life before Christ. Part number two, the gospel was shared with me. My life changed. Somebody took the time to share the good news of Jesus Christ with me. And as a result of that, I had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ that changed my life forever. It wasn't a one-time decision. It's been an ongoing decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I don't care if I have to go alone. I'm going to follow Jesus because he is the treasure within me. And then the third part of your testimony is sharing what the Lord has done for you and with you and through you as a result of being saved. What a glorious testimony. So Paul here says, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love this, how Paul puts this together. He says, just as God said in the beginning of creation, let there be light, there was light and there was no darkness. He has now spiritually allowed that light of the glory of God seen in the face of Jesus Christ shine into our hearts. We now have this shining light in our hearts, verse number seven says, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. And I'm calling us crackpots, right? We are crackpots that God has placed this treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. Verse number eight, Paul says, well, this is what we're facing. We are hard pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. 
We are persecuted, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share the death of Jesus Christ, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Oh, I love how Paul put this together. He says, we're pressed on every side. In other words, the walls are caving in, pushing it all around us, but we can still breathe. We're not crushed. We are perplexed. Listen, you look at our world today, you can get mighty perplexed and mighty distressed, but Paul says, I'm not driven to despair. It says, we are hunted down. In other words, people are coming to get us. People are going to be persecuting us. But he says, I haven't been abandoned by God. We get knocked down. We get beat up. We get knocked down. We get pushed around. But we're not destroyed. We may suffer, but we will continue to identify with Christ in sharing with Christ as we face these times of suffering. Well, now we're down to verse number 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And by the way, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Verse number 11, Paul says, Yes, we live under constant danger of death. Now, this is an ongoing dilemma that Paul faced, constantly facing the danger of death, not because of any other reason other than because we serve Jesus. And this is a good reminder. When the pressure comes against us, and we have this treasure that is in these cracked pots, not these clay pots. Remember, when people come against you, they're not really coming against you per se. They are coming against Christ because you serve Christ. They hate Christ. They reject Christ. They reject everything that Christ stands for. They will therefore reject everything that you stand for if you're standing with Christ. Paul says, it was evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we will continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. Now here Paul is talking about faith and speaking. In other words, when you have the faith to believe something is going to happen, you can't help yourself but to speak about it. There's always words behind our faith, and he refers to the psalmist David. And so we know that God, who raises the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, will also raise us up with Christ together with him. All of this, Paul says, is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That's why we never give up. Although our bodies are dying and our spirits are being renewed every day, for our present trouble are small, and they won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now They're soon going to be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. All right, so three questions. Why are we devoted? What makes us different? And why are we determined? 
We are devoted because we have received forgiveness. In verses 1 through 4 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we discover that with this forgiveness, because of God's mercy, we gain some other things alongside of it. We have gained tenacity. This is a wonderful gift, right? Tenacity. The ability to keep on moving in the right direction, regardless of affliction. Paul says, through God's mercy, we have this ministry and we don't lose heart. We don't give up. And I remember when my wife and I moved to Chesapeake. It was in 1997, the end of 96, beginning of 1997. We moved in November of 96, in the middle of November of 96, and six weeks later, we had our first service of Hickory Ridge Community Church. It was named at that time Community Baptist Church. We met at the Hickory Rorton Club right there on South Battlefield Boulevard. Now, I remember we prayed for over a year before we decided to come. And the reason that we waited for years, because I felt before my wife that we should do this, but she wasn't quite ready, okay? And so she was young and I was young. Sherry was 28 when we started the church. I was 31 when we started. And we were just a young couple. We had three kids at the time. And we had been serving in a church in Concord, Virginia for eight years. And we had a nice position there. We were very happy there. We were in a good situation there. My kids loved that area. We loved that area. My wife and I met at school in that area. And so it was a good fit for us. But we felt this Holy Spirit uncomfortableness, I guess you could call it. So we were praying about what the Lord wanted us to do. You ever do, let's make a deal with God. Well, I say, okay, Lord, um, I don't mind uh, moving and being uncomfortable, but I don't want to go to a dying community. And I figured, oh, man, I'm going to be back in a holler of West Virginia somewhere uh, where everybody's related to somebody else and nobody knew is moving in in that area. I said, that really is something that, uh, you know, I thank God for the pastors who are in those areas. My hat is off to you. Uh, you have a wonderful opportunities to be a blessing to those people. But I said, man, that doesn't fit my personality. They will run me out of town. They're tar and feather me. And so I said, well, Lord, I'd like to go to a growing community. So we looked and we did some research. And in 1997, Chesapeake, Virginia was the fastest growing city in Virginia. Over a thousand people a month were moving in to Chesapeake at that time. And so I said to my wife, let's go to Chesapeake. So we prayed about it, and I was ready to go, and, and she wasn't quite ready. And so I said, well, wait, right? Because when you're of one accord, where two or three agree on anything, says the Lord, says there, I am in it. And I said, well, if I can't convince my wife that the Lord's in this, I can't convince a bunch of other people to be part of this. And so we just waited. I just waited, and we prayed. And the other thing I was thinking in the back of my mind, if I move my family to Chesapeake, Virginia, and my wife's not 100% behind it, as soon as something goes wrong, she's going to say, well, honey, I told you we ought not to have come here, but you didn't listen to me. No, you had to go off and do your own thing. Now, here we are in a big fix, okay? Well, I didn't want to be in a mess. I don't want to be in, in a fix. And so I, we prayed together. And finally, after a year, she says, yeah, let's go, man. I think the Lord's in it. And, uh, you know, furthermore, my wife's much more spiritual than I am anyway. And I figured if she can see the Lord in something, then I'm, we're probably on the right track. And so as I look back at that time, it was a lot of difficult times you know, all ministry is difficult, but we found we gained many new friends. Well, we found a few enemies along the way. I discovered that the measure of man is not just based upon his friends, but also his enemies. Well, again and again, we see Paul faced a lot of hardships in planting churches. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, 
Those who find the ministry an easy life find it brings a hard death. Sometimes just being faithful to the Word of God cuts across people. So Paul says, don't lose heart. You endure a difficulty that prepares you for an even more difficult task. But God, yes, even the great apostle Paul here is candid about his hardship, but God in his great mercy has given us this ministry because it's his ministry and because of his mercy, we don't lose hearts. Have you ever thought that everything we do, everything we do is a result of God's mercy? When you understand that, you can gain tenacity. You don't lose heart. You don't give up because you realize that God has given me this wonderful ministry. It's actually called the Ministry of Reconciliation. Paul is referring back to chapter number three, talking about the fact that God has given us his wonderful ministry, just as we have been reconciled with God. So ought we to be involved in reconciling others to God. That's the ministry that we have. You know, not too long ago, I was talking to an inmate, and he was so frustrated. And he says, I'm not going to come to church's services anymore. I says, why not? He says, you know, uh, you come around here, chaplain, and these guys act different when you walk into the housing unit. Uh, These guys stop cussing. And they put a smile on their face, and they put on this really kindness, and they're, they're different. As soon as you walk out of that door, uh, they become mean-spirited. And I says, is that true of all the believers uh, that come to the church? Oh, he said, oh, no, not all of them, but enough of them to make it so that I'm not going to go to church anymore. I, I was kind of a little bit confused, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I get a little frustrated. I get a little sick and tired of people saying, I'm not going to go to church because of hypocrites. Because the bottom line is, I don't go to church because of the people there. I'm going to worship God and not worship people. And I discovered that people can be a great source of blessing, but they can also be a great source of disappointment. You see, as we look at being a hypocrite, to some degree, we're all a hypocrite. And so I told this guy, I said, well, come on and join the rest of our hypocrites and be part of what God is doing. Well, you know, when you're following the Lord, you have this tenacity where your eyes are not on people, your eyes are on Christ, so you don't lose heart. Or there's something else that we gain. We also gain truth. Look at verse number two. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception. We don't distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So Paul says here, when I preach the gospel, because I've received God's mercy, I am transparent. I don't have to deceive. I don't have to use trickery. I don't have to use distortion. Uh, My message has been confirmed by God and by those who are honest. By those who look, they can see that the truth is plainly given, and we're not commending ourselves to everybody else. We're commending ourselves to the consciences that we have in the sight of God. And if those who are hearing the gospel don't get it, it's because they're perishing. So I keep preaching the truth, asking the Spirit of God to penetrate 
through that blindness, to remove that veil, to lift up that veil so that they can receive the message of truth. Well, you're going to have to join me tomorrow for the second part of this message. And as we think about all that the Lord has done for us, He has blessed us tremendously. We have gained tenacity. We have gained truth. And join me tomorrow as we talk about what happens to us when we are transformed by the gospel. Oh, it's going to be a great study tomorrow. Would you join me for part two of this message, Treasures in Cracked Pots? Well, I thank you so much for listening. And listen, I want you to know that we are so excited about Hope for the Heart and the opportunity to share the gospel with you. And I want to pray for you and pray with you. If you'd like to support this ministry, this is a ministry that is primarily supported and funded by Hickory Ridge Community Church. And God's people give generously uh, so that you can have the pleasure of being involved and learning more about God's word. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can send a check in to Hickory Ridge Community Church. 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to part two, Treasures in Cracked Pots. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.